This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking the king of Staten Island. My favorite borough. I'm going to pursue a happiness and I know everything is shining on. Recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies and more weekly. We dig into mo- movies via mostly spoiler-free review, the occasional commentary, some other fun movie topic. This is episode 410, 410. 410? I feel like that's the area code for somewhere in, like, Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> I like the feels like. Now I gotta look it up. Yeah, quick Google search. <laughs> Maryland. Maryland. Uh, East Coast. We were close. I like how it's we. I like how it's all of Maryland too. It's not like Bethesda. It's not Annapolis. It's Maryland. It's not a big state. I well, get it. You know. <laughs> Pretty anyway. small. Anyway, we're for episode four. 410, the area code of Maryland, as we all know. Uh, We are talking The King of Staten Island, the latest film from director Judd Apatow, starring Pete Davidson. Joining us for this, we have, from the brightest part of Los Angeles, sporting a brand new No Regrets tattoo of questionable spelling, it's Jonathan Van Dyke. Hey, hey, I figured you guys needed a tall, dorky white dude on the show for this one. (laughs) Well, you do have a great Pete Davidson impersonation, so had to have you. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for having me yeah no how, how are you doing how are you how are you holding up in the, the world that we live in i mean you know we're we're we're, we're living we're trucking we're we're you know putting one foot in front of the other i think that's all we can do right now and you know if, yeah. if if some judd apatow movie comes on your video on demand i guess you just give into it <laughs> yeah well that's that's exactly why we're here this evening to talk about the king of staten island a movie that many people gave into so before we get into all that uh let's go over some show notes real quick real quick stuff first up itunes views ratings it is good to get those it helps out our show helps other people find our show if you want to log on to itunes search route now through our name you can do just that and you'll find us and hopefully give us uh, something to talk about five stars please five stars Speaking of which, all of our episodes are on iTunes, including our commentary tracks, and we have a new one coming at the end of this month. It'll be for the film Jaws, celebrating its 45th anniversary. That's going to be a lot of fun to record, I have a feeling, and it's going to come out right before July 4th, a date very fitting of the film Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be, it'll probably be safe to go into the water. Yeah, so be yeah, probably considerably <laughs> compared to other places, it's probably one of the better places to go. But um, well, yeah, yeah just in terms of like, yeah, uh, you know, there's all kinds of things in the water though. You know, who knows I know that. that kelp always scares me. Yeah, because it's is it kelp or is it jellyfish? I don't know. I don't want to touch it. Exactly. <laughs> or is it like you know, Nosferatu swimming around? Exactly. The two things that I'm generally afraid of: jellyfish and Nosferatu hiding in the water. You know, Willem Dafoe look really scary in that remake that's the third thing i'm scared of just in general willem Dafoe <laughs> out of costume hiding in water waiting to get at me mm-hmm. he wants to Everyone tell me does. about his latest movie he, he like calls you really, spider-man but he's really intense about it yeah. <laughs> it's probably a movie that's not too big not too small right in the middle yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> classic Defoe. i mean as long as you like his i don't know is william defoe in any big movies really big movies outside of spider-man Yes, mm. is my answer to that question. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, you guys pay more attention to this stuff. My, my, like, when you said that, my mind immediately went to John Carter. He's in John Carter. <laughs> but, like, yes, he's in other what? movies. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was in John Carter? Yes, he's, like, the co-lead in that movie. He's the guy with, like, four arms, and he's friends with, uh, with uh, oh! Taylor Kitsch. Oh, okay. With Tim yeah. Riggins, like they're hanging out together. He's like, yeah. Riggins is there, yeah. And then, and then, I mean, you know, I guess if, if anything, he, he's given you an excuse to talk about John Carter, which I don't think anybody would have brought up before. Sure. Well, how I, about I Aquaman? He's Aquaman's mentor in that movie. That's true, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's see. There you go. There's a big movie. Okay. Like, he like, so trains he him to ride seahorses and stuff, and he's throwing spears around, and he has his And he's got, like, really cool slick back hair. Yeah, yeah. like everybody does, though, because that's Aquaman. They're just all really cool. Like that. <laughs> They've got that sea gel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can keep going. Great tangent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what are we talking about? We're talking about the King of Staten Island. But before we get there, let's talk about what we would have talked about were things not to have changed in the uh, pre-Bloodshot era. Uh, fittingly, this actually is the week that the King of Staten Island would have come out. That said, the movie Soul, Pixar's Soul, also was scheduled to come out originally this weekend. Mm. So, John, any uh, thoughts on, on Soul? On Soul? Um, I mean, Are you looking forward to it. I think I would have gone and seen it. <laughs> it looked like a, what a spiritual epilogue to uh, the other movie where there's lots of parts of somebody's brain. Uh, inside Wait, out? is that so? In- inside out. Inside out. Yeah, isn't this the one? Are you gonna have to cut this? <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> We're not getting anything. I was like, I was like, this is like only there's like parts of your soul in this one. Is that is that what I saw with the mild campaign before they kind of cut it off? I mean, it's a pretty vague teaser. The I think the idea is just someone dies and his soul is still kind of around for whatever reason to find whatever's next for him. I guess is the best way to put it. Okay, yeah. The, my my mild. This one looked like it was the and there's jazz. The kid friendly one. And this there's was lots the, of jazz. That's yeah. the other thing. Oh, it's a lot of jazz. I was going to say, this looked like the they do the uh, one for the kids, one to destroy adults. Like, they kind of do that back and forth. <laughs> and this looked like the one to, like, emotionally destroy adults. So, so Toy Story 4 was the one for the kids? I think so. Oh, Onward. Oh, I forgot about Onward. Oh, which, yeah, onward, which speaks yeah. to Onward, I guess. But, I, yeah, no, that... <laughs> <laughs> I suppose, right? That that was probably for the kids. Opposed to the, I was heart, say, I mean, the I heart-wrenching onward, Toy Story 4. <laughs> I was going to say, Onward's the last reason I had to get on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> How about you, Abe? Were you looking forward to Soul? I was, yeah. yeah. I think that it was, you guys described it perfectly. It was probably the adult of the two uh, Pixar releases. But I was excited to see where it was going to go, what it was going to do. And I love that little dance. Who's the other voice character in that? Tina that, Fey. Um, yeah, I was like, Tina Fey. Tina Fey doing that cowboy dance in the trailer is great. I really love that cowboy dance. Yeah, I, I mean, I look forward to Pixar films in general, and, you know, you're going to give me Jamie Foxx in a jazz movie with Pixar? Sure, why not? Like, I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> so I, I don't have a reason to not be excited for new Pixar films, so, yeah, I was looking forward to it. But we'll have to wait till I believe, November is the currently scheduled date for it to eventually come out, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, yeah. Well, that's what we would have talked about, but let's get about let's get to the thing that we also would have talked about, but are going to talk about more now, <laughs> which is uh, Judd Apatow's The King of Staten Island. 
I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be, it's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. <laughs> you can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah. People told me slow my road. I wanna become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. <laughs> I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're gonna have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not gonna break. Do you ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? It's wrong with being a fireman. It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're gonna come home or not, and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. I gotta tell my mom you tried to drown me. To the fuck around pool, you're like fucking eight feet tall. Now let me tell you something, your dad was a hero. And heroes are necessary. And they should be allowed to have families. together time is passing by very quickly why do you think i smoke weed all the time so i can slow it down i just feel like everybody's always disappointed in me and i never live up to anybody's expectations hey thanks for listening to all this you're one of the few people who treat me you know like a person you're welcome that should have been some of the trailer for it the King of Staten Island, Judd Apatow, has made several films relying on audio bi- autobiographical elements concerning him or his stars for various entertaining comedies. Aside from his Gary Shandling documentary, this, his last feature had Amy Schumer tell a version of her story. Now we have Apatow teamed up with Pete Davidson. The two, along with co-writer Dave Sears, put together a story mirroring a version of Davidson's life. He stars as Scott, a 24-year-old dropout living with his mom in Staten Island and still dealing with the death of his firefighter father, who died when Scott was seven. A series of events lets Gleet Scott down to a path that could either get him into more trouble or begin reckoning with his issues and growing. John, where have you been with Judd Apatow's, you know, feature films, and what you what you think of this one? I mean, I would say like Judd Apatow is somebody who, like, if I hear his name. I will probably more so go out of my way to see it than I would normally. So, like, I definitely wanted to see this uh, on its first run. Um, and I, I think I was also just ready for, like, kind of a comedy. And, and and always interested to see kind of this is the this is the Judd Apatow we know who's kind of, like, taking a new comedic voice under his wing and kind of, like, letting them fly a little bit in their future debut well i mean it's not his feature debut but you know what i kind of mean so yeah, yeah i was definitely looking forward to it as i mean as far as the movie itself i think it it's very much a judd apatow movie <laughs> aka a bunch of good parts and you kind of think it's a little long <laughs> 
Uh, but I would say for, for people who maybe are fam- familiar with kind of his whole discography, if you will, his whole back channel, um, they might be surprised that this is a little bit more to me like uh, a return to kind of like freaks and geeks, like more gritty indie Judd Apatow. And I wasn't quite expecting that. So it, it it is much more of like an indie dramedy than like something like Trainwreck that's going for big laughs and, and is much more uh, farcical. And I think in some ways that helps. And in some ways it probably hurts the film. But overall, I, I, I definitely enjoyed myself. And I think more than many of the movies that have come out that we could watch video on demand before, you know, having any chance to see it in the theater. Mm-hmm. I felt like this like really accentuated, like being at home, like, and kind of just spending time with this movie in your living room. And it didn't really require the big theater that maybe some other Judd movies with that are, go for a little bit bigger laughs, a little bit, you know, a little bit more uh, ridiculous type of comedies. All right. Abe, how about you? Yeah, with Judd, with Judd Avatar movies, I've been, I like them, but like what John was saying, you like parts of the movie, sometimes it's a little bit too long. Um, so his TV stuff I really enjoy, uh, but uh, Judd Avatar, I'll go see things that he makes, and I'll, I'll prepare myself mentally for, for the length. Uh, it's kind of like when people say, well, Scorsese, he makes like these three-hour movies, like, yeah, but you know, that's like a Scorsese thing to do. <laughs> it's, like, it's charming to some degree. Uh, but as far as the King of Staten Island goes, um, John, you hit it on the head. I mean, it feels like an like an indie drama, and that wasn't what I was expecting. I was kind of expecting a little bit more gloss and sheen to some degree, um, which is not a terrible thing. I mean, this is not to take away from it, but you you brought up an appropriate example of of Trainwreck. But um, the movie itself is, I I I couldn't tell if I liked more of it because I like everybody involved. Like, you know, I have a uh, an innate like of Bill Burr and Pete Davidson's comedy and their humor. I like Marissa Tomei. I like uh, all these other comedians that show up in different parts, including um, later toward the end of the movie where one of them steals like the, the show. Um, there's a lot that I just enjoy about these people and I like seeing them uh, operating their elements. When the drama hits, the drama does fit pretty well. Pete has a couple of or Scott. Uh, Scott has a couple of uh, dramatic scenes in this movie that really feel as though he was giving it his all. Like it really kind of gave him uh, some some nice acting range, I suppose. Um, but as the overall movie is, if you know about Pete Davidson's story, then you know about Pete Davidson's story. It is kind of it is very tragic, but at the same time, there's just a lot of humor to it. So I would have loved to have seen this as a huge national win for Pete Davidson, who's kind of been getting um it feels like he's been kind of getting the short end of the stick uh in, in as of late with uh with some of his snl castmates and also kind of just people saying like why is he so bummed out all the time and i think that john mulaney kind of took him on like this tour with him just to perk him back up and lauren's been doing what he can and this movie would have been great like oh wow pete davidson we get it we get you and here here you are in i guess your your glory um, but Pete's not new to acting. He's not new to uh, all these other things. Uh, aside from everything else, though, aside from Pete and his story and it being functional and it being funny and also heartwarming at times, yes, the movie's a little long, but 
I think that some work some of the supporting actors are, are really good in it, like including like we were talking about Belle Powley. Um, I think that she's a really big standout side character, um, even though she's only in like five scenes. Um, she's really good in all the scenes that she does. So on the whole, it's an enjoyable movie. It certainly is like. again i keep on wanting to say like a win it's a win for Pete davidson and i hope that people go check it out i um in general i'm a fan of jed apatow i like the films he's directed uh the the, there's maybe some spottiness in a couple of them but for the most part even given like his tendency to go along and we'll talk about that more uh it doesn't really bother me that much specifically in the ones that i like the most um this falls into that category and honestly i mean if you're talking about like expectation as far as what you thought this film would be versus what it actually is, I feel like I was prepared for what I was going to see just based off the fact that it is telling a version of what's gone on with Pete Davidson. I think the film wisely adjusts what happened to his father as opposed to real life where he, you know, passed away during in as a responder to 9-11. Here he's just a firefighter that died in a fire, which I think is a good way to kind of lessen some of the weight on the film as a whole and make it very character specific. Um, and, but by doing that, giving that kind of backstory and knowing that and knowing how that reflects on the, you know, both the actor and main character, I was ready to see something that, you know, veered a little bit away from the broader sense of things. At the same time, there's a lot of fun in this movie. Like, there's a lot of big funny things that involve both the characters and the situation they get in, because that's what this ostensibly is. It is a comedy. Um, it has its dramatic elements. Um, it has a sense of scale um, that comes from both the fact that you have this ensemble cast and that it's just really, like it's well shot i mean judd apatow's not new to having really great cinematographers involved he had john skaminski on funny people here he has robert Elswit, academy award-winning cinematographer who works with pta all the time so i was you know in addition to the writing and the performances on display which you guys have already talked about and we'll get into more i I have been interested in just seeing how Apatow's evolved as like a filmmaker, because I do think compared to 40 year old Virgin, which is very flatly shot and doesn't look that great. If you really watch that movie, it looks like a sitcom. Um, he's certainly had a lot of interesting things to do in the film since then. Um, and I very much include funny people in there because again, I mentioned Kaminsky, even like Trainwreck, like has some really interesting cinematography choices. Like you think of the 16 millimeter opening of that film that then goes into, you know, some other ideas later on, like here, you again, I mentioned elsewhere. Like, there's a lot of like, especially for capturing Staten Island, not the you know the part of New York known for how amazing it looks. Like, there's a really good job done, I think, in presenting uh, Scott in this city uh, and you know having that work as kind of a you know a setting that makes sense given that the film is called The King of Staten Island. Uh, so I, I I appreciated that there was a you know an attempt to not just make a solid character comedy, but one that like works as far as looking at a movie goes which i think you guys are kind of getting into by saying there's this kind of indie dramedy feel because yeah it feel it has this grounded sense that you don't really see in studio comedies right which is something i generally complain about in studio comedies they look not that great with the exception of something like game night which seemed to actively try to be visually interesting there's a lot of funny comedies that i like that don't look that cool um that said, yes, the other stuff you're mentioning as far as supporting characters go, there's a lot of like really good cast members here. You mentioned some of them already, but I am a big fan of Bill Burr, his stand-up, and it was great to see him in a meaty supporting role here. Uh, Steve Buscemi is always welcome to just knock whatever he wants to out and be amazing at it, so good on him. Uh, and yeah, among the uh, Bell Pally versus Tomei, 
Maude Apatow. Uh, like, everyone's doing their job here. The movie, yes, is longer than I I even expected. Like, I was looking at this thinking, well, it's it's Apatow working with another, like, young comedian, and Trainwreck was two hours. I'm like, this will probably be two hours. And I pop in the screener, it's like, it's an hour, it's two hours and 37, um, in uh, 20, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's two hours and 17. It's like, oh, this is this is long. This is, this is going to be a long movie. And yeah, it fe- it eventually starts feeling long. That said, for the most part, it works. I think structurally, it it takes its time, which isn't the worst thing. But I, it does feel like it really takes it takes a while to kick into gear as far as what Scott's gonna go through to push some momentum towards what his life is. And I want to talk about that more um, as we kind of get into it further. I I get that we all seem to like what Pete Davidson is doing here. He seems to bring it. I guess my if I had a main complaint involving his character. We start off like we start off like getting a glimpse of what he's going through, where he seems to have like I don't know if we want to call it a panic attack, but he certainly seems to be going through some stuff as far as how he's handling grief of his father and just like his life in general. And ideally, you'd think the movie's gonna back it up as far as how it goes from there. Did you guys like by the end of this, did you appreciate like the development of Scott's character and like how he's grappling with things? It was it was weird because I think that there are some parts that are explored and some parts are left unexplored, so it felt uneven to me. Um, an example of that would just be some of the art. So when he's talking to, there's like a ten year old kid that he has to take care of sometimes, and um, he drops off the sister who's like seven or something like that at school, and then the teacher asks him to do some art projects, and then it just cuts into the next scene. So you're just wondering, is this ever going to develop? And there's even like a scene with like Machine Gun Kelly, super small cameo. And it's just, you know, are these things going to further develop? And they sort of do, but it doesn't feel as though it was, like, totally impacted or, or totally um, – it, it didn't feel like it was, like, a total uh, arc. But curious what you think, John. It's interesting. I kind of wanted to almost even circle back with just – I do think that when you're talking about an arc of a character, like, it's the movie to me, I don't know – if he gets too far along his arc, it's almost kind of he starts at one place and then like he kind of restarts just a few steps ahead from that one place. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so to me, I love the movies almost like novel aspects of like, there were just kind of like loose threads that kind of went here. We kind of take a detour over here, but maybe because of, of kind of its lack of overall focus, the movie just kind of ends and it's almost like I just hopped into somebody's life, took a peek around and hopped out versus like getting in the driver's seat and driving to an in destination with them. Um, and so I think maybe that there, I, I sense something that almost is coming from all of us where I feel like we're all giving a positive review of this. And actually this is a movie where I feel like I'd recommend it almost to the most number of people, <laughs> but it's almost by that, like, sincerity of like i think a lot of people could like this movie i don't know how many people would love this movie or like make it their like number one movie but i do feel like it was just really good medicine like it it just feels good watching the movie Mm -hmm. and to, to me that's enough but if we're looking for kind of character transformation or like kind of a greater i don't know emotional resonance at the end i probably didn't get get there Mm mm-hmm I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I there's part of me almost like 
admires how the movie's trying to go about it because you are like we're saying it like takes it takes its time to like do anything you're just kind of peeking in and that kind of reflects scott right he's a guy that's literally laying about not doing very much and it takes a long time for him to gather the strength to do anything it's really because he's forced basically to do anything to kind of make a difference in his life and the movie has a shagginess that kind of reflects that which I don't think is not on purpose, regardless of how effective that is. I, I, it's not like Judd Apatow's like, wait, is this too long? Like, I think he knows what he's trying to achieve here, regardless of how much you enjoy the movie. Um, but in terms of how it overall plays out, without kind of going too far into where things go, it does feel like at the end of the day, there's just like kind of baby steps towards moving somewhere as opposed to massive changes in life. Now, to be fair that's life right like life isn't like oh now i'm gonna definitely have this giant change of heart like that's just how things are gonna go uh so to go back and forth as far as how much i feel it's effective to show scott having some kind of progression as opposed to like a major progression is it unrealistic for people to all of a sudden like he gets a job on wall street and he's like living in his apartment (laughs) movies movies uh can come and go They, they can do that but also I don't think that's the point of this movie. I don't think that's the point of like Pete Davidson. That's sure. not the way that he wanted to write, you know. So, um, like you guys are saying, it's just baby steps. But he does come to, he does become more of an adult um, by the end of it. Sure, um, especially like with dealing with his feelings and dealing with like um, other people that are in his life. Um, but I also appreciated throughout the movie that nothing went off the rails. And what I mean by uh-huh. that yeah. is there's like a scene where um, where he's talking to his sister. Pete's talking to Scott. Pete is talking to his sister, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna totally get Bill Burr back." And you think that it could go raunch or it could go whatever. And it's like, no, he just has a conversation with somebody uh, just to get some information. So it, it doesn't. It still plays true to life in that regard, without going what I would have maybe thought of, uh, maybe from some previous Avatar work. So I guess everything that they when they wrote the script and they were rereading it, I'm sure that they thought to themselves. What is something that you would have done? Like the only farcical outlandish thing that happens here is something toward like the mid end of the movie that involves like Pete being like um, texting somebody back and forth over and over and over again and calling people over and over and over again. Right. And that's like probably the most outlandish thing. Yeah. I mean, no, it's definitely a grounded yeah, feel through the say. whole thing. You just, and, and I think it just, it, it is just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I felt like it was comfort food movie. Like, mm-hmm. the I think, like you talked about a little bit, the framing, kind of the grittiness. Like, it just, it feels like you're on everybody else's level and you're kind of like their next door neighbor, kind of peering over the fence, looking at what's going on. Yeah. And I think that, like, level of intimacy is... It, I feel like it's almost competing with some of the past Apatow movies that we're used to that are a little bigger and a little bit more mainstream and how they're getting their laughs. And I think for the most part, the ad campaign intimated that we might be getting that level of something. And instead you are just kind of like dropped in this very vibrant, well illustrated Staten Island neighborhood with all these characters (laughs) you would expect to see. And like, and, and you just, you, it is kind of nice just to be in that world, um, mm-hmm. even even if maybe sometimes it, it isn't as focused as like you know this is this is where what you get with Apatow he's gonna get the green light for stuff 
already, and then we know he's going to meander. And so with those two things combined, you you get you do get some nice moments, but like if it was like just John Doe off the street in the first screenplay, they might have gotten they might have taken away those moments and like forced the focus to be a yeah. little stronger. And so if we're going to like kind of judge this film on like getting to point A to B, that's a little trickier with how I think they even wanted this film to be in the first place. To, to go into this a little bit with Judd Apatow, like I don't think his movies are that much broader than this one. Maybe by nature of the you know, maybe well maybe by the nature of like the main star involved because Pete Davidson's like he's not as like big as like Amy Schumer was when Trainwreck came out <laughs> or like the buddingness of Seth Ro- or Steve Carell obviously who was like at the peak of the Office when Forty Year Old Virgin came out. But those movies mm-hmm. are all domestic dramas like there i mean the, the there's a realistic family element going on in 40 year old virgin and this is 40 funny people has adam sandler, sandler of cancer uh knocked See, up i this think about, this like, is pregnancy the, I mean, there's the like high, there's a high concept involved thing and i but i i don't i don't entirely disagree like this might be the heaviest jed apatow film but i don't think those films are they're not in the same way of like other big comedies that came out alongside them. Like 40 year old virgin came out the, the same year as wedding crashers. That's a giant, big, broad comedy compared to 40 year old virgin. I think there's a little more subduedness going on there. But wouldn't you say something like 40 year old virgin or knocked up? Those are like, those are cranked up to like a, an eight or a nine versus this is like a, a five to a six on like, yeah, La- to, like, a, to, to like, a degree hitting... because of like the ensemble cast involved, and there's a lot of like spitting out one-liner aspects to it. Where this, yes, there's a, I not, I'm again, I'm not disagreeing entirely, I, but I do think that there's, it's not, it's not entirely new for how, how far the drama plays into the film that Joe Dapper right. is making. I do no, think your totally right. predecessor is probably like you were saying, Funny People is maybe the closest in mood, sure, to this one. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to say that there aren't some funny moments, but it is just, it is a lot of like warm your heart smile moments. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I mean, the. Like, you're kind of like, that's kind of fun. Like, you're not chortling very much in this. And, and like you said, there's definitely not really like a, you know, uh, a, a close up on a character and you know that there were probably like 10 takes of this line. Yeah. And this is the best one you got. That's actually something that's I, completely I can, gone. That's something I can applaud in this movie. It does feel less like compared to the other ones and watch us be proven wrong when the Blu-ray comes out and there's all kinds of alternate takes or whatnot, but it's like right. 40 minutes of alternate <laughs> it, takes. It feels less apparent that there are just scenes of riffing that just needed to go on over and over again. It does feel like there's more yeah. of a focus this time around, uh, which is just, that's yeah, just I was, I was paying filmmaker. attention to that. Yeah, I was paying attention to that aspect, too. Just like, I wonder if they're going to riff here because they're both professional comedians. Um, and the only part where I thought something might have been riffed is when, later when they were having drinks at a bar. And I was like, okay, that might have been riffed because it looks like Pete Davidson's actually really laughing. Um, but with all that being said, um, I think that just to touch upon the, the point about the largeness and scale, I, I, Judd Apatow does have – he always brings his stories back to the drama of everything, right? But, you know, when I think about, like, something like Trainwreck, there's Pete Davidson is not friends with LeBron James in this movie. You know what I mean? Like there's, mm-hmm. there's not that level of whimsy or like, you know, Amy Schumer's dating John Cena, whatever the case is like, no, Pete's just Pete in this movie. And I think that's, that's it kind of, John, were you the one that said to kind of harken back to like maybe like a freaks and geek type feel? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I think kind of the, the muted color palette of it and everything kind of just 
definitely it just definitely had a, a different feel. Like I yeah. definitely went into this movie thinking this is my summer blockbuster comedy. And then it's like, no, actually, this is like a very nuanced character indie study. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to give it up and to the writing here. right? You know, it's like Judd, Pete and Dave Sears. Um, th- it's just them being, hey, let's make this. Pete, you tell us how you want it to write it, and we'll, we'll all take turns like reviewing the drafts. Because I think you guys are right about its small step growth. Because one of the best scenes in this movie that I enjoyed um, is when he has like a he goes to a college party with his sister, and afterward they're talking, and he's saying, "Wow, it feels like I actually belong here." It's like it's almost like a real Pete Davidson moment of like maybe I should have gone to college, or you know, I'm trying to find my people, and here they are in this college atmosphere. It was very like. Uh, it's kind of like a touching moment that kind of ends in, in a way that Pete Davidson would, would end it because of the way that Scott's character is. But still, there's a lot of writing in here that is more nuanced and more like um, um, internal, which is why I appreciated this movie. Oh, I was going to say, it's just interesting to me. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is, it, is I actually feel like I want to recommend this more to the people listening because of the direction they took it versus what I expected it to be like, which is odd. You could, you would think the bigger laughs and the whimsy you're talking about and stuff would lend itself to popcorn. But for whatever reason, I feel like the tone and how this all is working, like it just feels right. And something that I would want to recommend and have people kind of enjoy in their own homes during the time right now. Well, and so that's kind of interesting. It's good. I mean, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're not recommending it based off of like, you're going to laugh at this. That's why you should watch. You recommend it because you appreciate how like earned the drama feels in the midst of this comedy. I mean, that that's what it sounds like, right? I mean, I, I, you're getting there a little bit, but I, it's surprising to me. Cause I, I also think that when you go for those big swings, you're more whimsy or a little bit more body you you ri- there's no alienating comedy in this movie if that makes sense so i, I well, feel like it, it actually would reach a broader <laughs> audience because i i could see any type of person kind of walking in and finding something that they like in this movie that i mean i think the the biggest separation might be if you like pete davidson or not i know there's people that don't like pete davidson i mean so that's like that that's right. the that's the test like if you're yeah, in on him that, then the rest what of what i was alluding to like yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was alluding to really early on, too. Was like, I wonder if it's just because I like this movie more because I like everybody involved. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a success to many movies, right? Having likable cast. I mean, I'm not, I'm not harking on that but downward. But to your you point, know. it's more like there are some people that don't like Pete Davidson for yeah. uh, various reasons, or they don't like Bill Burr for various reasons. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so that could that could ruin their perceived image of this movie. But Let's, I don't know. Give it a shot. It let's, is good. let's let's speak about let's speak about the rest. We've talked a lot about Pete Davidson and Judd Apatow's work on the movie. What about the rest of the cast? We have talked a lot about how we think that it's a solid supporting cast. I I, I agree. I think there's a lot of good performances in this movie. Yeah, there's um you know we talked about Bill Pally and feel free to add more. Um, but I also really like how Oscar, uh, like the quote unquote gang leader of his friend group, how that person progresses over time because they have like a really neat conversation um, over the phone later. And I was like, this guy is really funny. Like, just unfortunate that he's kind of he's he's playing like this loser from Staten Island, um, but he's actually a pretty funny dude. Um, so the overall characters in this movie, I think that they they work in hits and misses like any Judd Apatow movie. Um, 
for example, I didn't really I knew that there were going to be like ongoing jokes with like some woman at a, at a restaurant that he works at. And I was like, I don't know. I could have done without some of these. Um, but here we are. Yeah, the restaurant, I think... the restaurant stuff, I I guess it's, it feels like you bringing it up is me being reminded that there was restaurant stuff. So I guess that speaks to how yes, memorable I, I feel that <laughs> that element was, right? That, I mean, the rest <laughs> of it, I mean, mainly because, it, you know, everybody else is friends or family. So there's, a, and there's a kind of relatable feel as opposed to now we're going to a restaurant for a while where Kevin Corrigan hosts a fight night or a fight club at night. So it's like, okay, <laughs> that's... That's wacky, I guess, but like the, the other stuff. I was going to say, that's probably the I can't. I forgot about that. That probably is the wackiest thing that happens. <laughs> well, you're kind of like, okay. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was interesting. I can't tell what wins the day. I think this is one of the cases where they were able to focus kind of on our most main characters, but then they cast so well on the ancillary characters that they lent a lot to maybe... I think a lot of those characters lent a lot more than was maybe on the page in this particular case. I think this benefited from like your your cast just being good top to bottom, and there were a lot of people who could probably do a lot with a little. And and I, and I so I think I mean we talked about Val Pauli was in it just here and there, but you you really i don't know i i felt like you really connected with that character even though she's maybe only in one fifth one fourth of the movie you were always interested to come back to her or like or his friends and whatever hijinks they're getting into um and they even you know gave a little weight to firefighters beyond our steve buscemi's and bill burrs where you could at least get a sense that there were three-dimensional people in here even if they all just had maybe one and a half lines a person sure and and so i think that that helped lend kind of a depth that not every movie could pull off if you didn't cast it right i mean you mentioning the firefighters and bringing up obviously you have bill burr and steve buscemi steve buscemi who is an actual firefighter and retired and became an actor but went back to firefighting for a bit um the there's an authenticity there, right? Which partly becomes because there's an investment in that community from at least some of this cast, but also I think whether it's us bringing our own like knowledge in involving Davidson or just the fact that the film does a good job of presenting where he's, where he and his family are coming from and it's firefighters. There's, I don't know, like there's a sense of, <laughs> there's something that just works about that. I mean, for one thing, it, it I'm not going to say it's entirely unique because we've seen other films with firefighters before, but the fact that there's the kind of a community there that is kind of respected, but also like has stories and has things to share. There's something that just like feels good about that. Like you're saying, like there's that feel good element, right? I mean, there's something that just like feels right, especially incorporating this young guy who has major issues and that are, you know, connect to the firefighting uh, life. It's, that stuff really works and it hits like I, I I can applaud the film, I guess, for doing a good job of making that making that count. But that's I imagine that's where a lot of the writing wanted to lead anyway. So, I mean, it's just a good job. They accomplished that. Your point was so good. We don't have any reply. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I'll just emphasize again. I do think Steve Buscemi can both be. I mean, he's just a, such a terrific actor. Where he knocks out some great comedy lines, but then he knocks out some of the drama, too. And it's just like, yeah. I'm not, you know, when I saw Steve Buscemi in the trailer, I'm like, 
well, this is a win already. But so it's not like it was surprising me that it like worked as well as it did. But it's like, man, he can just do whatever. He, you know, just thinking of like Buscemi in like serious roles and then popping up in like random Adam Sandler movies. It's like, I'm so happy he's just like just a great actor. Like, he can just like yeah. do whatever he wants. So effectively. I think I, I think people were kind of taken aback when he was cast as like uh, Nucky Tom, Nucky or Chucky in Boardwalk Empire. Um, Nucky. And people were like. He's he's a serious actor. It's like, yeah, he's actually really good at acting, guys. Like, he's not that. He's just not that crazy guy in Adam Sandler movies that paints lipstick on himself. I mean, people that just don't pay attention to Steve Buscemi, I assume, have that problem, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, um, right. but then you said something that that I do want to echo, which is a lot of the drama works in this movie. Um, like every time that it's on the screen, it's everybody's bringing it, and which I which I really like. And again, sometimes, John, you brought this up too. Sometimes as a first-time writer or first-time director, you don't really know how to get that out of certain scenes, but it works here because you have a veteran director. But also, again, I, I think that if Pete's writing this seriously, then he wanted to take it very seriously, and it, it shows. Well, something that – I mean, I thought of this too, but like Scott Mendelson, friend of the show, he wrote about this in his review um, – there's this kind of thing where like the directors like Judd Apatow, among others, Paul Feig – uh, uh todd phillips like they clearly know how to make like a drama if they wanted to like they could knock that out but they're like tendencies to want to do comedy or add bits or whatever i'm not going to say necessarily holds them back because these are successful directors so what do i know but at the same time there's this kind of thought it's like just do a straight drama like and then you know phillips does so basically and makes a billion dollars with the joker but regardless like there's <laughs> there are I think that there's there's a real chance, I think, for people like Apatow and others where they're very good at this thing. And I do think if they if they really put aside their kind of the things that generally get caught up in their films, they could they could get even higher if they wanted to. And like we're talking about it right now, honestly, with the uh, with the restaurant stuff. That's the silliest stuff in this movie. Right. Aside from Pete Davidson yeah, making yeah. jokes and tattoo stuff. That's like that's the like the most farcical. So you want to use a word John's using. I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's the stuff. If you took that element out or rewrote it or what have you, you'd probably you'd have a pretty straight film here that has you know elements of comedy, but like the balance I think is way more geared towards being in the middle as opposed to being a comedy with drama. It'd just be a comedy. Well, it'd be a drama. tighter movie. Yeah. It'd be it'd be tighter for sure. Yes, because you just lost twenty minutes. But I mean, it's like exactly. I mean, yeah. But I I do think twenty minutes that you guys both didn't remember. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But when you said it, I enjoyed remembering it. Yeah, like yeah, I don't I mean, think they're I, they're I, not I, bad I, scenes necessarily. It's just more like the essential stuff that we're drawing on to talk about this film doesn't really involve that restaurant stuff. <laughs> like, right, right. Well, and it's interesting to think about Judd's movies because it is kind of. I I don't know if this movie. I didn't really sit with this movie afterwards, you know. But that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy watching it. But it is interesting that, like, I guess in, in Judd's catalog, probably the more memorable things are the, are the movies where we, like, me and my friends remember lines and, like, shout them at each other and stuff. Like, it's still, like, I always appreciate him and his sensibility of, of bringing some of that drama in. But I will say it's generally the comedic performances that I remember the most or the, the comedy lines. And so this one doesn't have that as much. Well, didn't but... we also didn't we also remove that by watching it on VOD at home? Well, a little bit, but I, I mean, I don't know. To you, is this a rewatchable movie? Would you watch this over and over again like you would maybe a forty-year-old virgin? 
I mean, I'm the worst one to answer this because I rewatch a lot of things. But I mean, as far as, <laughs> as as far as as far as his movies go, like there's like I we have a question in our listener feedback, but I mean there's there's some I watch a lot more than others, and when I say a lot, it's more like I haven't watched that in a while. I'll put that on. It's not like I rewatch a lot of these very often. Um, this mm-hmm. one, like I'll probably watch it again at some point, um, but I, I can't say I'm like but, like if I had it available to me. Like, yeah, it eventually get played again, but as far as, like, over and over again, I don't know. I'm not in college, so I don't have that kind of sensibility. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting, too, that is, this is, like, is this his first or or one of the rare movies that he didn't do, like, it's not set in Los Angeles or California? Um, uh, it's kind of a what... different... Yeah. No, uh, I guess all... Trainwreck. No, Trainwreck no, is LA. New York, isn't it? No, it's New York. Sorry. It's no, it York. is. Yeah, because okay. yeah, she, she starts on Staten Island in that movie. <laughs> Okay, that's and right. It ends Never at Madison Square then. Garden. <laughs> but, but I generally think of the Judd Apatow yeah. palette as L.A., so it's interesting yeah. to see him doing a little bit more East Coast feel. Well, yeah. the other the other four movies before that are all focused around his life more, where, Sh- where Schumer is the guiding right. force on that, and, and Davidson's the guiding force on this one. Uh, you know, Knocked Up and Funny People and This Is 40, those all have things of him and his friends who he grew up with in this yeah. area like that are all like correspond that way. Yes, this is true. But I do think I, I land on there's something about Pete Davidson. I'm definitely one of those people who like, I don't know what it is, but you got it. He, he's a, he's <laughs> I a do good, think he's a good ah shucks kind of guy. Like he can like do like stuff that's like you wouldn't do or want to hang out with that guy. But watching him on screen with his kind of like. I'm bad, but also oh, I'm kind of, you know, I, I kind of work here. Like there's something about that, that energy. That's like, yeah. he's especially in filmed versions. Cause I think like him live mm. on Saturday night live. Okay, fine. But, like, awkward. In, yeah. In the, in the filmed segments, he's good. He knows, he knows what he's doing in these kind of, in this right. environment. And so like, yeah, a mm-hmm. movie, a movie really works for that. Like he'd see, and I, I enjoyed the uh, big time adolescence that came out earlier this year. Well, I was about to, yeah, I was about to dive into that. Cause I was about to say, well, if you really want a good Pete Davidson movie, I think big time adolescence is one of my favorite movies of this year. I, um, I, I think he's very good. I, I would and recommend I, it to less people than this movie though. <laughs> Even though I like it better than this movie. And that's what I was kind of getting at is like, I guess I, as a, as a movie viewer, I don't, take as well to comfort food <laughs> and so so like probably that's why i think at least from my vantage point it's kind of an interesting movie to talk about and people are probably like what the hell is he like does he like it does he not like i can't get a sense of this and i think it's because it is just wrestling with the fact that like it's a pretty like safe comforting movie and in fear and because there aren't as many of the big laughs it's like harder for me to grapple with it because I could be like, this is really funny, or but it doesn't take like huge swings. Like a big time adolescence, I think, is just does a lot more than this does. Uh, to like, but but because it does a lot more, I I honestly a lot of people I'd be like, I don't know, I don't know if you'd like it, but this one I just feel like I could be like, give this to mom, give this to grandma, give this to Tony across the street. Like they're all gonna like find something it in it that they like. I, I watched it with my dad. He enjoyed it quite a bit. Hey, yeah. Is that is that his full review? Yeah, it's usually it's usually yeah. dad's movie minute. Yeah. <laughs> dad's movie corner. Yeah. Dad's movie corner. Yeah. He liked it. He liked it. Good it. Time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else on uh, the King of Staten Island? 
We didn't rating. get too far with the other characters, but I do think Bill Burr and Marissa Tomei are very good in this movie. Uh, I, like, it's you know you have Marissa Tomei is an Oscar-winning actress, so like that's not surprising. She's very good in this movie. But Bill Burr, mm-hmm. who you know he's a stand-up I like, but he's bringing some heft here, and he also rocks that mustache. And he's like his initial scene of him like shouting at everybody that makes me laugh. It's very good. So so, yeah. so co- coming off of that as an intro and then like leveling out for the rest of the movie, I'm like, I'm into this. Like he's, he's doing mm, his job. Yeah. I mean, it felt, it felt very natural when he was yelling at Pete. He probably like hung out with Pete for a day and was just venting. <laughs> you know who comes off the top rope out of nowhere? Pamela Adlin just, you know, <laughs> comes spit some bars for like two scenes and, and then, and then you're good. <laughs> Are you a creep? A creep wouldn't say that, so I guess you're okay. <laughs> you can see why, because she plays his uh, Bill Burr's ex-wife. You get that, like that's that's understandable. <laughs> well, yeah, there's just there's so much. Like, I mean, that's that's just got, that just speaks to its sprawl. That like essentially, I think most of us have seen this within seven days, but we're we're kind of a week away almost, and and like I think each one of us can just keep. Like we just keep bringing up the little thing. It's like, oh yeah, I enjoyed that part. Like it's so, so it really does speak to like how big of a world they kind of created and how many people are kind of jammed in here. Right. And and you do just kind of get lost in it. Um, but I but I will admit it's also a movie where I I wouldn't no shame if you wanted to watch this in two settings. Or I think I even heard somebody say this is almost feels like Judd Apatow made one you know a sick episode limited series like you, you could find like the 30 minute snippets and it would almost be like that yeah you know that. Eh, that speaks to attention spans more than apatow as a filmmaker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like i get there's an episodic feeling to it i suppose just because as we've talked about it's a shaggy film and like it's not about it's not about you know overall plot um it just eventually gets there but I mean, I watched it in one just fine. Like, I didn't have an issue, like, sitting down and watching a two-hour, 20-minute movie. Yeah. Uh, last shout-out on the side characters, Jimmy Tretto is in this movie. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy Not a whole lot to... Yeah, Tetra. I mean, not a whole lot to do, but still at the same time, uh, in the TV show that he's on, he plays a cop, and in this movie, he plays a, uh, a firefighter. So, there you go. What TV show? Tacoma FD. What is Tacoma he, FD? It's it's just a it's a TV show from the dudes uh, behind it's like Super Troopers. Oh, yeah, but it it's less uh, it's less um, quote unquote reality type TV. It's it's a written comedy series, but he plays one of the cops, and they have like you know that cop firefighter hate relationship. Okay, I mean I know yeah. American Vandal where he broke out. So that's what I think. Yeah, he's funny in there too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, when should people street see this movie? I, obviously, it's available on premium VOD, so I'd say, is it worth the $20 to rent this film, or would you wait for it to be at a lower price tier for, like, digital rental when it goes that tier, so, like, six bucks or whatever, or would you want to just wait for it to I mean, go on How and, many like, people Netflix do you have altogether? in the room? <laughs> I, think, I think California's expanded now to, like, what, eight people? So you can have eight people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um... This one's tough for me. I I do like that I saw it now. I I mean I didn't have a problem with the fifteen dollar price point. I was I wanted $15? to see. I, Where'd you get your discount coupon? Oh uh, well, I mean I don't know. I guess I wasn't the person who officially purchased it. <laughs> <laughs> I was the person in the room. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I definitely, it's, it's right in between do it now, just screw it and do it now because what, I mean, what else are you going to do? It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a summer, a summertime comedy. Why don't you just have a little fun, treat yourself for the night. But I understand if you wanted to wait until, you know, it's more of a normal digital release. I, so somewhere in between those two for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah, on this, on like a dollar scale, I would say that this is like a movie that you could wait for it to be like twelve ninety nine or less to rent. Um, not to say that you shouldn't see it, you should, but I don't know if it's twenty dollars worth. I mean, yeah, like on a on a singular basis, if you're by yourself paying for this movie, for one thing, it's fun to see comedies with people, right? But I think in that in that scenario, like that would make it more worth it because then you're you're paying you're getting you know more people means paying less essentially so that'd be kind of the recommended setting for something like this um but it's like it's a good movie so i'd recommend seeing it not necessarily paying twenty dollars for it by yourself but you know checking it out when you can at a slightly lower price point yeah i don't think that'd be a bad yeah. bad way to go like on our old scale this would be a dollar theater movie yeah, on the old scale i'd say a theater because that's less than twenty dollars <laughs> True, 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 true. But I would, I would have put it on late dollar. You don't have to run out to see it right away, but it could just be something that you should see in theaters. See, I think I've only seen two in our new, like, this video's out right away. Um, so I feel like the novelty is almost enough to, like, be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I assume that that, that the, the, like, my uh, tolerance for that price point will drop as it, as it becomes less of an interest. Thing, what, was, what, was, thing. what was the other one that you saw and why was it Trolls World Tour? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my goodness. What did I hey, see? What if, what I if saw... John worked on that movie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm offended. Um, I don't know. I guess the movies I've seen that should have been in theaters, I saw The Lovebirds, but that was Netflix, so we didn't really have to, in theory, pay anything. And then, uh, and then at the beginning of all this, I definitely saw... Uh, what is the Elizabeth Moss Invisible horror Man? movie? Invisible Man. Yep, mm-hmm. saw that at the front. Uh, end of all of this as one of the first, and I guess I saw the Hunt. Hmm. But oh yeah, Invisible an Invisible Man was actually good. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. All right, uh, that's our review all right. for all right. That's our review for the King of Staten Island. Let's, let's move on now. Let's get to some now feedback. Feedback, 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 feedback. Oh, thanks, John. It's like a race. <laughs> great love it this is where we go over the various questions and answers on our facebook page facebook.com podcast we ask the listeners a number of questions and and uh, they asked us a question then we'll give them some answers so let's uh let's do this first question here what is your favorite <coughs> judd apatow film chris writes pineapple express 40 year old virgin talladega nights so a couple he produced uh there but still valid uh scott writes i really like this is 40 it wasn't a hit but i related to it more than most of his films todd lehman now friend of the show writes i got to admit favorite judd apatow film is not a high bar for me not a fan of him as a director but i probably give it to knocked up what's go. your favorite judd apatow film guys um i mean i'm we're keeping it we're gonna try to keep it on director right yes yeah so then probably probably 40 year old version give me you guys filibuster for me just in case but i'm gonna say 40 year old <laughs> version knocked up is I mean, my favorite i've been in knocked up yeah there you go with uh you know ken jung giving you some real medical uh, dialogue there 
Um, cool. Next question is, uh, who are your favorite current stand-up comedians? George has Ron Funches is delightful. Maria Bamford is weird and amazing. Brian Kiley has the best one-liners. Patricia has Pete Davidson, Bill Burr, and Gary Owens. Christopher writes Dave Chappelle, Tiffany Haddish, Sebastian Maniscalco, <laughs> and Patton Oswalt. Uh, Farron has Stuart Lee. Chris writes Rod Gilbert and Billy Connolly. And Maxwell Farron's show has John Mulaney, Hannah Gadsby, Patton Oswalt, Mark Merritt, and Ron Funches. Are there comedians that you guys really enjoy? Um, it's been tough to figure figure it out recently. I think we went through a really good streak of comedians who then some of them got disgraced and <laughs> it's a little hard, but we had a, a still good, going on. I was gonna say we had a good run of comedians that I felt like was happening. So I haven't connected with as much, but we I, we talked about this a little bit earlier or maybe even kind of before we recorded, but Rami Youssef to me Mm -hmm. is like awesome his new special is amazing his show is amazing um i think he's a really good voice and then as far as like a comic who's been around the block but like it's still really funny to me i agree with uh some of our listeners there with john 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 mulaney i mean he's just he's on top of it (laughs) yeah i think i think uh, he's getting to the point where you can have a everyone sort of has like a john mulaney impression Mm. And that's when you know that you've made it. <laughs> Aaron, any straight uh, up stand up comedians? I mean, Mulaney is a pretty big go to. Chappelle is a pretty big go to for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, who else do we not mention? I, I mean, I do like Bill Burr. Um, you know, a lot of these are mentioned already. I don't want to keep going backwards. But uh, Jesselnick. Yeah. Jesselnick makes me laugh. Anthony Jesselnick. Nice. All right. Next question we have here. What are your favorite films about firefighters and other emergency services? Scott writes, I saw this as a kid and I liked it a lot. Don't know if it holds up. And now I forgot what the thing you posted in the image. So let me find that real quick. Mm-hmm. Editing point. <laughs> no, I was going to stay all in. Uh, no, I don't know firefighter movies. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. You're, you're going to hear some. It'll jog your memory of firefighter oh, yeah. <laughs> It is Hellfighters with John Wayne. Um, mm-hmm. Christopher has Backdraft and Ladder 49. Todd has my favorite fire, movie firefighter is Steve Martin and Roxanne. Jeffrey has Backdraft's been said, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw Always out there, the, the Spielberg film. Chris writes P.S. Backdraft, uh, but also Wreck. Yeah. Which yeah. is a very clever answer. It actually. is. It's a, it's a good answer because Wreck is great. Yeah. It's definitely emergency services. They lock down that building yeah. <laughs> with machine uh, guns. I'll, I'll throw in Bringing Out the Dead with uh, Nicolas Cage, uh, the Martin Scorsese film. Great poster. A, a great movie. Um, not on yeah. Blu-ray. Really annoying. Um, mm. but, um, it's, Reg- it's just on regular DVD? Yes. I still have the regular DVD because it has no Blu-ray. And it's like, huh. why? Please put this on Blu-ray, Paramount. I really want this on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Firefighters or emergency services? Hmm. Lots been said. Backdraft is pretty good. Kurt Russell playing two characters. It's a movie. Two characters. Yeah. It plays his dad and also is a, a, a himself. Right? Huh? Am I mis- am I misremembering Backdraft? Yes. He's not Eddie Murphy. <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'll I'll return to that later. I got nothing. 
<laughs> he does play That's his dad. Right. I have not. He does play his dad. You're right. I have not seen Batman forever. <laughs> That's a weird choice. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I was like, wait. In the beginning of the movie, he's got a mustache, and then he plays himself later. Anyway, um, wait. Did you mention some Nick Cage? Isn't there a Nick Cage movie where he's an EMT or something? Yeah, bring it out the, the dead. I was just talking about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. That's what that okay. arrow was ranting about, not having a Blu-ray. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the next question is, who are some what? Who are some memorable movie characters with tattoos? Scott has Max Cady, Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter, Ed Norton in American History X, and the girl with the dragon tattoo, Lizbeth Sal- Sal- Salamander. Salander. Mm. Salander. <laughs> yeah. Chris has Danny Trejo because his are real. Also, Guy Pierce and Memento and Numi Rapace, Girl in the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, Todd Libanow has Darth Maul and Maui from Moana. Uh, Justin has from Dust Till Dawn. Um, and Luke has Once We Once Were Sol- Once Were Warriors. Oof, mouthful there. <laughs> I, I was going with like, what was that Mel Gibson movie? We were, we were, we were soldiers. soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I mix up soldiers and warriors there, but um, Todd, I agree with you on Maui from Moana. I mean his his move. What am I? What are we thinking? Uh, my lovely girlfriend pointed out how much I laughed in Paddington Two when Brendan Gleeson shows his knuckles that say knuckles on them without the K, but with an apostrophe, <laughs> which made me laugh endlessly during that movie. Um, and that that is my answer for this now because it's really nice. Funny. <laughs> I was say, a reader stole mine. I I thought Memento would be a a cheeky one to say. Mm-hmm. Also, go see Memento if you haven't seen it. If you're like Tenet's coming out soon and I haven't seen Memento, you should probably do that. And yeah. if you have seen it, watch it again with our commentary track because it's a good one. Um, next Boom, question we have here. <laughs> next question we have here. Who is your favorite Saturday Night Live star turned leading actor? Todd Liebenau writes Bill Murray. Luke writes Bill Murray. George has, do you have to have been a star on the show or just have been on the show because Julia Louis-Dreyfus didn't make a splash on the show but has a, had a big career as anyone else after? Yes, that's perfectly fine. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, she, she was on the first season. She has, yeah. like, the most Emmys. So, like, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> Irene has Eddie Murphy. Justin has Eddie Murphy, Billy Crystal, Chevy Chase, and Phil Hartman. Oh, man. Wow. That was a, that was a great lineup there. Um, Turn leading actor... Interesting. I guess my mean like Mike Myers, but I I also really like Bill Hader for his role in mm-hmm. Barry. I mean, he's ruining his reputation a little bit as he goes on, which I think just happens in comedy. But I mean, Will Ferrell is probably a good answer here. I is that sh- it, yeah. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna age gracefully like Bill Murray did. Although maybe he'll like he'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not liking some of his movies is different than ruining your reputation. <laughs> like there's a big no, difference. I'm aware. Like okay. Chevy Chase <laughs> ruined his reputation. I don't there's know. A, like... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Maybe this is just me being like, I'm going to watch this Netflix, you know, song movie, <laughs> but I'm not like. I feel like I'm already I'm already ready to be disappointed. <laughs> That's fine, but the, the, again, the difference is it's not like you hate Will Ferrell the person. <laughs> like, I don't hate Will Ferrell the person. You should let like, him know. I do not if he hate. He pops you. up on something like on like Conan or something. You're like, yeah, I want to see Will Ferrell for a bit because he's fun, as opposed to some people that yeah. are terrible. I think, and I think, <laughs> he, yeah, I think... He, he's never slapped anybody because they wanted an autograph. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think I think we heard Julie Louise Dreyfus and stuff, but definitely I think we got to give it up for you know Kristen Wiig. I think has done a pretty good job of oh, selling yeah, of into a leading lady. He's an Oscar nominee. Uh, <laughs> and and I'm we're gonna assume that we're gonna figure out Kate McKinnon fully like soon. Like like she's had some good vehicles, but I think she's still due for like the big movie. Hopefully. Yeah, it's funny we've mentioned Will Ferrell and Julia Louis Dreyfus who were in a movie together this year that I thought was terrible. <laughs> so I, mean, I think a lot of people yeah. thought it was terrible. Yeah, yeah I, I did alone. not hear good things. Yeah, <laughs> uh, watch Force Majeure instead, the original. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. The, the question that we have from one of our listeners to everybody here today, George Velko asks everyone here: Apatow is great at enabling other comedians to tell their life story or stories inspired by. What comedian would you like to see get the Apatow treatment next? I mean, I would say Bill Hader, but he's already doing that with Barry, so I don't really need to go there. Um, mm. Who else that, like, needs this story? Um, a comedian needing their story told? I think then it's it probably is who I just... Kate McKinnon. Let's, like, that would even be, you know, I feel like that would be a different lane, too. Like... Uh-huh. We wouldn't have the the adolescent male like I do think that it, it. I mean, he did a good job with Trainwreck. I enjoyed Trainwreck, and I think maybe he could even press a bit further with with Kate McKinnon because I think she has a bit more range. I'd be down for that. Can't think of anybody else right now. I would say Pete David or Pete Keenan Keenan Thompson. <laughs> Yeah, dr- I mean, a dramatic Allie retelling Wong, of, like, of Keenan and Kel. <laughs> <laughs> Ali Wong, Randall Park, I don't know. Somebody from that group? Yeah, yeah from that class, yeah. All right. Well, mm-hmm. that, was that was feedback. Feedback, feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, that's going to bring us to the end of our show here. Uh, you can. That's going to do it for this week's episode about Now With Their Name. You can buy more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing film reviews over at weliveentertainment.com, and I'm at Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? You can find more fun stuff at my Instagram, abe.mua, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose, hashtag you up. <laughs> John Van Dyke, where can people find more of you? Uh, I mean, I'm keeping a pretty low social media profile, I guess, at J234VD on Instagram if you want to see some, like, cool travel photos. Um, but otherwise, I'm, I'm keeping a low profile, guys, you know, other than being on, you know, famous podcasts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously. Um, you can find all the other episodes of Out Now with today on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. Or write on our Facebook wall, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, or tweet at us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And enjoy random stuff at our Instagram page, instagram.com slash outnow underscore podcast as well. John, thank you very much for joining us today. John, thank, thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. It was a great time. Well, good. All it was good of- talking with you. All times were good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Until next time, so long and goodbye.